Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm glad that we're together today. I can hardly wait. Patrick Albanese is going to join me in just a minute, the Monday afternoon mix to follow. And then Pastor Robert Morgan is going to be on for the full hour, an hour or two. His new book is called The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. It's going to be quite an interesting day. Awfully glad to start off, though, on a lighter note with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Hey, Patrick. Hey. Back to being prestigious. I uh, love it. I love it. it. It's very prestigious today, by the way. No, no. And I will say, and I do want to talk about this, and I hardly ever want to talk about weather, but I have to say today in Minnesota is maybe the world's greatest spring day. And we have perfection here. It's the right temperature, the... Uh, people are nice to each other. <laughs> I mean, God. No, it's, if if I played golf, I couldn't imagine a better a better day to go out and play golf. Mm-hmm. I was tempted to just go walk a golf course without the clubs, just to say this is kind of fun, just doing this. It's so nice out. Yeah. By the way, and I I, I meant to ask you this because you're you're a knower of things, uh, uh, random though they may be at times. If you play a subpar round of golf, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people say they play golf for exercise. It's a it's a skill sport. It's like shooting pool outside. You know, it's a, <laughs> especially oh, you if you have work... three hot dogs in a you know in a malt after nine holes. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't exactly work up a sweat. <laughs> Not really. it's, it, yeah. Not really. My dad would golf at six in the morning. We'd go to McHenry Golf Club. And uh, when you had made it to that point in your life uh, that you were old enough to carry the bag. Oh, yeah. And and carry it, you would. All the other kids, look at the fun they're having riding in their golf cart. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, no, you don't. My, yeah, uh, uh, my parents had three was... girls, and then they had me. And my dad said, finally, I've got a caddy. Finally, I've got a caddy. <laughs> Well, we had eight kids. My mother did miscarry twice. Uh, My dad was determined to get a baseball team with a sub. (laughs) That was Mm -hmm. he was determined, and he he was he did that wallet thing with the cascading photos that came out of it. Uh huh. That my dad was that guy. Oh, great. You know, yeah, they knew. Don't ask Jim Albanese how his kids are doing. (laughs) (laughs) Click, 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 click. Did he keep the picture in there of the kid that came with the wallet? No, I don't know. You know, I never did check to see if those were even our photos. Come yeah. to think of <laughs> they might not have been. <laughs> you know, so, he was a busy guy. He yeah. can't go changing wallet photos. Right. So God clearly knew what he was doing when he invented spring. Because, yes. again, like you said, in Des Moines, in Minneapolis today, uh, the weather is exquisite. And I, I really don't want to talk much about weather, but I do want to talk about what goes on, you know, when I see the tiny leaves on the trees. And you think, oh, here they come. Here they come. They start feathering out. And I think each day it's going to be a little more feathering going on. And and it's before long, we're going to have 
full-size leaves on the trees, and I always think that is just one of the little exciting indicators of spring. Well, and, and I time things. So I, my daffodils are the first thing to come up, and they're, they're, they're done now. But our, my, my peony bushes are now starting to get ready. My Asiatic lilies, they pop through the ground with these beautiful fan-shaped uh, finger leaves. They, uh, they're just hard to describe how beautiful it is to watch, to go out on a daily basis and watch my clematis start to climb up a trellis that I've built. Um, you know, it's, it's just seeing things come to life. And it reminds me when I lived in California for so many years, you know, it's, it, things are just perpetually always grown. You don't really see the change of seasons. Uh, you can't fully appreciate a day like today because a lot of days are like today. And it's, it it sounds like you would say, well, isn't that great? But a a thing I noticed after over 20 years there is you don't notice the passage of time. And mm-hmm. especially if you're hanging around with a lot of, like I was with a lot of entertainment people, a lot of them don't get married or have children. And so children are one of the ways, like flowers, you see, you see them growing, you say, I must be getting older. Mm-hmm. And you can go 20 years without even thinking you, you've aged a bit because everybody around you that you spend time with is aging at the same rate. A lot of them don't have kids where you can see I remember holding that baby and now he's graduating from college and you wake up one day in 20 plus years has passed and you, you didn't see it because you didn't go through shoveling snow, then cutting grass, then shoveling snow and planting things. You, you just didn't experience seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've come to really appreciate the seasons of life, even though there are 13 completely unbearable winter days every, <laughs> every year in mm-hmm. Des Moines. 13. Yeah. I think I've yeah. got it down. It's about 13 that you say, these, I, I'm unable to handle these. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say the perhaps the simplest of spring pleasures um, is the open window. After oh, a, do I love the open window. After a winter of having all the, win- the windows closed and the heat on, and you feel cooped up, and you and you fly open those windows. You unlatch the windows and open them up, or raise them, and you hear and you feel that air pouring in. It's just crazy. Now, were you to live in my house, <laughs> you would have the pleasure of the open windows in December as well, because <laughs> I have yet to figure out uh, how my wife likes to balance this open window when it's two degrees outside and the heat on. But every now and then I wake up to a mini tornado in the room (laughs) as the cold and hot air meet. Uh, But I love it when we can have the open windows when it's this beautiful, tolerable weather. And of course, the birds are up chirping at 5 a.m. and the sun's already starting to come up. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's just, and you know, my son's been getting up early so we can do planet watching. So uh, I'm not alone anymore early in the mornings. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, he says, Dad, I see why you like the early mornings. It's kind of quiet. And I say, shh. <laughs> <laughs> You're making too much noise. <laughs> All right, Patrick, there's one thing about spring I, I may not be a big fan of, and that is spring cleaning. Yes. What? Yeah. We, we, we have spring. Well, we have this. We just had our junk day. They'll come and take anything. That's one day a year, isn't it? You just put all your stuff on the boulevard and and people can come down the street and they can look over your stuff and take what they want, huh? Yeah, and then by the time the garbage truck arrives to take it, you know that the stuff that's left truly was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, my, I know I've told the story before, but I, my, my wife puts out my, my 1987 purchase of a Montgomery Ward vacuum cleaner a couple of years ago. And I said, no, 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 that still works. She says, you can't get bags for it. You're making them out of a grocery bag. <laughs> and it doesn't work that great. I said, but it's a classic and Montgomery Wards is gone. And, 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 but, and it works. You can't put working things out. She said, I'm putting it out there. Say goodbye. <laughs> so she puts it out. And f- less than five minutes later, I see somebody looking at the vacuum cleaner. And I, I, I just call out the window and say, hey, that still works. And she takes a pair of clippers out of her pocket, cuts the electric cord off at the base and says, not anymore, and drives off. Hmm. That's cruel. <laughs> I, said, I said, no, no, no. And I was hurt by it. I said, That's my Montgomery Ward vacuum cleaner, which no longer works thanks to you. You just wanted the electric cord. Oh, I don't like that story. Take, yeah, take the vacuum cleaner, dump it in somebody else's yard. <laughs> So that I feel like it went to a good home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, spring cleaning is tough. Yeah. And I always love spring vegetables and things that you see back in the store after uh, a little while of uh, not seeing them. It's nice to have uh, certain food items available again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, we're going to be living off the land this year with our raspberries and our tomato plant. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we're living off the land. Yeah. And, we're and, self-sufficient. Here, and, you know. Patrick, who doesn't love a nice April shower, a nice a nice springtime shower? Uh, I always look forward to those as well. I love a good oh, thunderstorm, too. I, lo- I love a thunderstorm. That's You open the windows up, and you just to hear that, I can sleep with that. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to, I used to be able to, I'm sure you could do this, right? You could put on a hard heavy metal album as a kid with the headphones on and you know your mother would walk in on you and you'd be asleep <laughs> she says how can you sleep with that just it doesn't bother me but should somebody tiptoe into the room now that will disturb you <laughs> right you're like you mom i was listening to a song yeah <laughs> you tiptoed in janet wrote it and said that the frogs singing makes my heart sing so you always hear those frogs again i i have them in my backyard and and they are loud but it is pleasant for a while. Yeah. We have a geese problem currently in uh, uh, the city of Clive. And they're actually, so we have, now we have too many geese. Hmm. Uh, and as you know, they take quite a long time to get across the road. They can't decide, should I cross or should I head back? And you just never know. So yeah, they're going to, uh, I don't know how they're going to get rid of our geese, but they don't make a pleasant sound. The frogs, I'll take the frogs. Yeah. I like their frogs. And and the uh, return of the songbirds too. That's always a a lovely addition to spring. Always reminds me that there's always hope. Yes. After a long winter. Uh, You know, a friend of mine told me this story today. Uh, He he loves those um, cardinals, you know, the beautiful red bird, right? And so he saw one in his backyard, and he looked on his phone to find if he could find a cardinal whistle. And he found one, and he played it just on his phone. And within 10 minutes, he had 20 cardinals in his backyard, Whoa. all looking for who the who's the practical joker here. <laughs> Somebody's singing, and we got to find out who it is. Yeah, he's, so uh, I'm looking for that app because I thought I would love to go out and back. That's cool. And just, yeah, g- gather some birds that you like. Yeah. It could be fun. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, listeners. If well, what, tell us what Patrick and I missed about springtime. I know, I know, we missed plenty. One thing before we go to break, Patrick, is one thing I love about springtime, and one thing I love about May, and I know you do too, is our mothers had birthdays two days apart. Yeah, two days apart. Yep. 
Right. Well, this coming week. Was it one day or two days? Is your mom the 19th? My mom's the 19th. Yeah, my mom's the 20th. Yeah. So my mom would have been, uh, shoot, this week would be 89. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and my yeah, mom's gone, was... but I don't dare tell anyone her age because she'd be mad at me if I did. <laughs> well, we j- so, mm-hmm. yeah, that, you know, is it even fair to keep counting the years? Because my mother's been gone for six years now. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I should say, well, no, you know, she, she's, yeah, no, yeah, no, 89. Yeah. You know, you do that. You say they, they would have been. Yeah. Right. But on a happy note, yeah. let's celebrate. Uh, a birthday today. It's Marilyn's birthday today. You remember just uh, a couple of weeks ago it was Marilyn Monday, and now today is yeah. Marilyn's birthday. So happy and birthday, And we were Marilyn. celebrating, yeah, and we were celebrating Marilyn for Mother's Day, and now it's her. So you went through the same thing I did as a kid. Your mother's birthday and Mother's Day were just days apart mm-hmm. most years, mm-hmm. and there you are. You have that dilemma. You say, well, come on, I'm seven. Come, come, <laughs> me, a little, come me a break here. I, I just bought you a gift. I have to get another <laughs> So luckily, since my birthday is so close to Christmas, I was able to say, I understand the rules from back in December where I can combine gifts. I can combine Mother's <laughs> Day, birthday. So you got to make these chocolates last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let did us... you have that problem? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did. Yeah. Let us know if we missed anything. Uh, 877-933-2484. What you love about spring. I'll be right back with my friend Patrick Albanese in just a minute. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. And when you hear that music, you know my guest is Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. And Patrick, as we're discussing what we love about spring, uh, there's been some great... uh, Notes and texts that have come in, and let me just read a couple of them. Mowing the lawn. Who doesn't love the smell of fresh grass? Mowing the lawn. Uh, um, oh, yes. Hanging clothes on our clothesline. The smell is so wonderful. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a great one. And, of course, the fragrances, the lilacs, and all those wonderful aromas that come up from flowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have a lilac bush, and they're just... Uh, uh, starting to blossom. So uh, we'll soon have that beautiful smell in the mm-hmm. backyard. Mm-hmm. And yep. Carol said, I enjoy making my coffee and watching the sun come up and doing my quiet time before Carmen at six. She's still listening now. How cool is that? That's uh, wonderful. And now that's not, and that's not saying that Carmen is noisy. That's just getting <laughs> rid of us to Carmen because uh-huh. we love Carmen. Yeah. Caroline said, That's a, "She is a great way to to kind of wake up in the oh, morning, yeah. isn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. Just kind She's of ease of into your day. Yeah, yeah. She is. Oh. Uh, the, about, the fresh cut grass, by the way. Uh, now that the grass is growing so quickly, and I'm cutting every three days, not enjoying it as much. <laughs> not enjoying <laughs> yeah. it as much. How about uh, bright blue sky contrasted by bare branches? Well." And but on a, it, you were talking about the little buds on the trees, yeah. and my my son's been getting into this every day. He looks at the trees to see just how much growth has happened overnight. He just finds that endlessly fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, yeah, it's just, it's amazing that they know. They know when it's time to put on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, green grass at just the right length. And people love seeing the color green again. Well, and you know, and a, a great thing about this time of year, too, with the green grass, uh, so you don't get into those dog days of summer where the ground gets kind of hard and, uh, you know, your grass thins out a bit. So now it's thick and lush like a carpet. The ground is still a little bit soft. So barefoot walking through the grass, Ooh. I just, I... Yeah, it's better than shag carpeting. <laughs> which yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna return that sample to you by the way. Oh, good. You, you know, a lot. Yeah, of pe- we're not gonna go with the yeah. shag. Yeah. And Patrick, yeah. a lot of people love the smell of rain. That that aroma, that that freshness, the cleanness, and that wetness. That you know, you stroll outside after a storm and you notice that distinctive smell. Do you yeah. know that that smell has a name? It, the after the rain smell. Yes. Yeah, it's got an <laughs> what, official name. What is it? It's called petrichor. P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R, Petrichor. Uh, and wh- wh- why would it be called? There must be a reason for that. Uh, well, I think it's the smell of the dust after rain. So it's a combination of uh, plant oils and bacteria and and other things like that. I, I thought there was something about negative ions from like an electrical storm attached to pollution molecules. Drop them to the earth, they wash away, and the air is clear but I'll go with what was your petrichor? Petrichor, half half petra, half core. Sure, it's, just, <laughs> it's one of those one of those made up words like breakfast. Yes, yeah, <laughs> break your fast. Petrichor. Yeah. Okay, uh, no I do love sign that of smell. spring. We have a woodpecker that will pound a street sign or on our basketball backboard in spring, or a swing set if you happen to have one in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I'm not enjoying that one as much. Mm-hmm. They are loud. Yeah. That little tiny bird can do some damage. Does it seem that the number of pecks they do is almost always the exact same number? You just wonder, have... you wonder how many little pecks they have in their head each time they do a little blast. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a point to say, you know, not today. I'm not, <laughs> I just, my, my head is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Yeah. You think it's loud where you're sitting. You should have the you should do it from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy, you know, ruining your swing set. Yeah. There's another one seeing the new calves out in the pasture. How nice is that? That's gotta be a spectacular sign of spring. Yeah. But just to, there's something about seeing things come to life. And uh, I mean, don't aren't you in a better mood with the spring? Totally. Doesn't something happen oh, to you? Absolutely, yeah. So there's a whole rebirth going on. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I, I love it, of course, because of the gardening that I do uh, with my perennials. I get to see which ones I didn't kill. <laughs> I, you know, there's many times around September I say, well, I'll know in May if I, if I succeeded with this particular plant. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice when I get that surprise and say, aha, there it is. Yeah. I love seeing baseball being played in little neighborhood parks, too. Yeah. That is a sign of spring for sure. We, My son and I have been playing catch. He doesn't like to play catch with a baseball. We play it with a glider, a plane. Oh, okay. We throw it across the yard to each other. And on a beautiful, like we were doing it last night, and then you get that beautiful, I just cut the grass, so we got it all going with the perfect weather. And we're just relaxing in the backyard, barefoot, throwing a plane back and forth. Uh, I did get hit in the back of the head with it. 
but uh, I, I said, what a simple little pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, for just 30 minutes of tossing a plane around. Why is this fun? Yeah. I used to, I used to need so much, I, th- I, I thought, to uh, say, now I'm having a good time. And just the simple pleasure, as my, my wife said last night, she says, this is paradise. Our little backyard, it's dark enough out where we can't see that the house needs siding and paint. <laughs> you know, it's just beautiful. Beautiful time of year. Uh-huh. You, you, you've seen my house. You know I've seen I mean. your house. And I know you need paint and siding. It's very funny. <laughs> we don't go outside until it's twi- twilight. <laughs> no, house look great in this lighting. It does. In fact, so do I. I look much younger yeah. in this lighting. Yeah, you always look good under certain lighting. You just can't always depend on that lighting. You, no, no, you can't. But yeah. uh, we had the blood moon last night. That provided beautiful lighting. Yeah, yeah you you got that some was... great pictures. You sent them to me. They were spectacular. Yeah, we stayed up till about eleven thirty last night because my son wanted to look through the telescope, watch the eclipse, and then he said, "I want to see what the moon looks like when it's red." Mm-hmm. Said, well, it looks a lot like the moon, only red. <laughs> but wow. uh, I, you know. He's so much younger than me, and I think I don't know how many years that I've heard about those events and skipped them. Mm-hmm. Said, "Oh yeah, oh so there's this, uh, you know." I, I mean, you and I were alive the last time Haley's comet came around, and and you say, "Oh, this comes around once every seventy six years." Yeah, I'll take a pass this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I love I love this. Matt uh, wrote in and said you mentioned flowers. He said I love the tulips in the spring because it always reminds oh. me of my grandfather's garden. He had about two hundred and fifty tulips in his garden when I was a kid. It was just beautiful. He died in nineteen eighty two when I was twelve, and I still think of him every time I see a tulip. Uh, we have a town here called Pella, and they have a tulip festival. Uh, if you if you ever want to know where all the Dutch people in America live, they live in Pella, <laughs> and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just I think in order to live in Pella, you have to promise to plant tulips, <laughs> and it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just gorgeous. Yeah, they don't last long enough. No. Yeah, you know, and we did a pretty good job of talking about what we love about spring without bringing up anything we don't like about spring. So, well, I had mentioned spring cleaning, but. Uh, we didn't yeah, talk about anything po- uh, negative today, which makes me very happy. Well, that, yeah, and I'm gonna. Fi- I have a, a positive, an observation I made the other day as I was listening to the radio on one of those beautiful spring days. I had a sunroof open, uh, you know, since somebody was kind enough to cut a hole in the roof of my car. <laughs> I kid, I have. But I, and I don't know if you've ever listened to something for years and years and years, and then it finally dawns on you what it means. But I was realizing, okay, I may not be the smartest guy in the world. But this is something I do know for a fact. After nine days in the desert, I could probably come up with a suitable name for a horse. <laughs> oh, you're thinking about <laughs> I'm looking at the clock going, oh, yeah, that's funny. All right. <laughs> All right, we got to go because I've got more show ahead of, ahead of me here, and we're running out of time. But uh, thanks for doing this today. And uh, one more time, say happy birthday to Marilyn. Patrick. Happy birthday, Marilyn. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with the Monday afternoon mix. Special thanks to Patrick Albanese. We've got lots of show coming up. Don't go anywhere. Be right back.
another measure of happy music, indicating it is time. It is time. It is time. time. For the Monday. Time. Monday. Time. Monday. Time. Monday. It Afternoon. Time. Mix, 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 mix. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> that music just gets me just bopping back here just a little mm-hmm. bit. It just love it. It yeah. makes you get your groove on. Let, it me does. Inter- let me introduce the Monday afternoon mix. This is the first time you've tuned in. You're going, well, what's going on in the studio right now? <laughs> and the Monday afternoon mix consists of Pastor David Miles, who's an adjunct professor here at the University of Northwestern and a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and Rosie B., who's the producer of the show. That's the three of us. Uh, yeah, and your name is over there in the blue shirt. Yeah, Bill. Mr. Bill. Just yeah. Bill. Bill, Bill, as Bill. in Bill Arnold. Yes, Bill Arnold. Yes, the man, the legend. Well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm only here to point people to others. There you go. There you go. All the great, great things we learn in God's Word and point point to Jesus. It is a very that's good, why I'm here. Very good thing to be doing that. So let's jump back into our study. We're in Matthew chapter 7. This is going to be an interesting uh, time of mix because we're talking about uh, 7 verses 1 through 5, which is about judging others. Mm-hmm. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How about that for a starter? First two verses. First two. Yes. And Jesus is picking up, you know, in the first couple of chapters, he's looking at the internal heart of things that are going on. You know, things like anger, you know, mm-hmm. you say it's not to murder. And Jesus says, but if you say in your heart that you hate another person, that he was saying, you know, that um, <laughs> reveals murder. And that's where we get kind of premeditated first degree murder from is that it's premeditated in the heart and it works its way out. Um, you know, and so Jesus now is turning towards this conversation because scribes and Pharisees were people who were guilty of, you know, exercising a false judgment about themselves as well as other people and even the Lord, you know, as you see in Mark's gospel, uh, where they say that Jesus was healing by, you know, Beelzebub, the prince of demons Mm. and, you know, and just the various things um, that they would look down upon people and make these comments. So when we talk about uh, God, Jesus's orders, do not judge or you too will be judged. I think this is a verse that has been completely blown out of proportion and out of context. Very much so. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote a poem in college. I didn't have it with me, but it was basically after having a conversation with some classmates. We were talking through some things and, and just talking through the gospel. And the first response was, um, you know, judge not lest you be judged, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote a poem, in essence, talking about my heart for my friends and not speaking judgment to them, just sharing uh, what Christ had did for all of us. And it actually being one of those throne room endings where as they walk away to a Christless eternity, they look at me and they said, why didn't you say anything? And I'm like, I did, but judge not lest you be judged was all you replied with. Mm, wow. you know? And so here the passage is not saying to not exercise judgment mm-hmm. or to examine, because later in the passage it's going to say, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, you know, um, 
take it out, help them to take that out. But it's speaking to the idea of, of speaking like judgment, like a final judgment that only God is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, Bill. Well, I'm just, you know, when you talk about judging, this is, you know, out of Matthew 7, this teaching is, it's clear that it's not being used to allow unrestrained moral freedom or independence. It's, you know, Jesus was rebuking the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, who are so quick to see the sins of others and unwilling to hold themselves accountable. This verse always reminds me of James 4, 8. Um, and you you mentioned it, David, when you opened up. It's about your heart, right? So be pure of heart and don't be double-minded. Mm-hmm. And so, a relig- you know, sometimes we can be in our Christian walk and it can be more of a religious walk versus a grace-filled walk, because we're looking at the laws, just like the Pharisees were, and we're looking at other people who might not be, you know, they might say they're Christian, but they're not at that stage of their life acting full Christian, having full Christian fruit. And it's just the our motives. It's, you know, we, we need a pure heart because we are so often double-minded. Yeah. And in that double-mindedness comes this judgment. We tend to judge when we're being double-minded. We receive grace, but don't give it. Ooh, you know, that's, that's a kind of <laughs> a big echoing theme of our time. And, um, yeah. you know, this is really a salient uh, passage for us. Um, I don't know about you guys. There's times I've sat in services and I've listened to messages and I hear, you know, someone preaching and expounding and, you know, maybe delving into culture wars or whatever. And they start talking. And I've, I remember writing in my journal several times, like, Lord, what if you're not talking to them? What if you're talking to us? What mm-hmm. if you were talking to me? And this passage goes right along with um, Paul's words in Second Corinthians thirteen five, favorite verse. Most people be like, well, that's an interesting choice. But Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And he goes on to say, but you'll see that we have not failed the test and that we've been dishonored so that you're lifted up. But I like the fact that Paul even says, examine yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the Pharisees were so busy, you know, examining one another or, well, them too, but examining and judging other people um, that they were missing this. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And I think that's the hardest part about allowing Christ to transform you because we always want him to transform others if we're in conflict with them. But truly, you know, um, in Matthew fifteen thirteen, he says, all plants not planted by God shall be uprooted. And, you know, in prayer several years ago, the Lord asked just me to examine that. And, and before, because I'm thinking, oh, I want the root of that uprooted in my son or you know, or whatever I was seeing. And he said, no, those are your plants. Mm. We're uprooting. And so just that self-examination. And I think sometimes that takes a lot of courage and it takes surrender and it takes obedience. And if we're in those postures, then we really actually don't have time to be looking at somebody else's speck. Right. And the the big idea of this, this section, this pericope of scripture is ultimately only God has the right to judge. Right. I mean, like, only God truly knows what's going on in the heart of a person. Um, uh, Fernando Arizola had a book called uh, Prophetic um, Youth Ministry, and I thought it would have just been a great ministry book. But in it, he talks a little bit about kind of some different um, 
people in Scripture that we know. And he'd say, like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, though they get you know a bad rap, they were truly trying to live in this type of moral purity. Now, they took the Ten Commandments and made it into like 613 other kind of laws. So that legalism part. But they were really focused on kind of like the like some of the inward and, and right living. And mm-hmm. much of our modern-day um, you know, evangelical and fundamentalist movements follow into that strain. And then you had kind of like the uh, Sad- Sadducees. And they were more kind of, uh, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They kind of were more on education. And, you know, they were kind of more, much more liberal. So like liberal church has so much more in line with this. And then you had the Zealots. And the Zealots were just like, forget it, burn it all down. They're like, burn it. And so that's your modern day, you know, activists. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, so for the Sadducees, they're about education. They're also about helping people. But Jesus didn't camp with any one of them because all three of them in and of themselves, by themselves, did not have the ability to do transformation. So a Christ-centeredness places Christ where our personal life and our moral walk truly does matter to God. Mm-hmm. And also God does care about issues of the world because he incarnated them. I mean, if if Jesus is the biggest social justice person out there, I mean, like he healed people. And he even puts that in the last, you know, Matthew uh, 25 when he says, before me will stand sheep and goat. And he doesn't say they prayed the prayer. They're like, did you visit the sick, those in prison? Did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the poor? As uncomfortable that might be, and our kind of strand. That's what Jesus from his lips said. And zealot. I mean, like, can you think of a greater activist to take down things that Jesus, and you read this a few weeks ago when we had Easter, Rosie, about on Jesus' shoulders, the whole government. Mm -hmm. And he goes and he snatches the keys from the devil Mm -hmm. and conquers hell. I mean, that's about as much of a takeover Mm -hmm. of death itself. But it's all sitting underneath the the unique Christ-centeredness um, of of who Jesus Christ is. So in and of themselves. And so this is a salient word because in our particular, um, you know, part of the forest, our camp, we can be that. We can start looking at other people and just very much, you know, um, judging them and, you know, thinking, you know, I have it all together. And, uh, but we're, we're sitting there in Matthew, in John chapter eight, Jesus is like, okay, toss the stone. And he starts writing our names in the dirt mm-hmm. because he knows what's in our heart. Well, we should all be grieved about sin in our own lives. And if we are consistently addressing the sin in our lives, um, I think that's first and foremost what's important. It is. And, and we're called to be in community, you know, confess your sins in one another, be healed, you know, encourage one another, challenge one another, admonish one another. You know, my heart's grieved today. I mean, like, I really went the entire weekend. It wasn't until this morning, and I had two friends of mine actually pray for me uh, on the situation that happened in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone basically got fed news about judging people and took a three-and-a-half-hour trip. This young man. Now, people have noted and saying he's a young teenager, but when Michael... Brown and Ferguson, a young black man, they said he's an 18-year-old man. This person, they're saying, is a teen. They're the same age. And I still, for the life of me, I find it strange that we have this situation that the Anti-Defamation League talked about a couple years ago, that we have um, 
that 72% of all domestic terror deaths have happened at the hands of far-right white males. I mean, that's mm-hmm. serious. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an issue. And now 23% or 25% of it is Muslims. And if, if you flip those numbers, we'd be very much like we need to do something. And so I've grown up enough where if something happens in a particular person of color's neighborhood, they're like, what about black on black time? What about parenting? But there's desperately a problem here. I mean, like, there really is. And listening to normal, you know, conversations that are on cable news and other places, this person went and murdered. And guys, here's the deal. That's me walking into Cub Food and not walking out. That's how real that is. Mm-hmm. And so in ways, we, we really need to have this call to a deep biblical Christianity of discipleship. And like you're saying, Rosie, a very real mm-hmm. biblical discipleship that transforms the heart. Because Robert P. Jones from the Public Religion Research Institute did a study and it said he found that you could more likely find a person to join a white supremacist organization in a church parking lot than you could in a coffee shop. So something's not connecting with the one who called us to reach the whole nation and make disciples. Agreed. Agreed. It grieved me so much. And, you know, it grieved me because of I am a parent of boys. It grieved me because this man has parents. It grieved me because who he sought out. It grieved me because he calls himself a Christian. It grieves me on so many different fronts. And it should. It should grieve us all. And, you know, what do we do with the wrestle of that except address that we are we have somehow slipped into the legalism of Christianity versus the grace driven versus come to the table. Everybody's welcome. The, the love of Christ has been overtaken by the law of, you know, we are no different than the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees of that era if we are only looking at our behavior as an indication of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Or that we're looking at other people and yeah. concluding that only they can be such because, like, when it comes to the topic of racism, we've defined that so narrowly mm-hmm. that only Adolf Hitler and a couple other people fit into that category. But when the Ku Klux Klan was reunited, it was on Stone Mountain, Georgia, and it was done as a Christian ceremony. Mm. And so we have to be real about that. I know that that's kind of uncomfortable, but this is the gospel, and the gospel shines forth in the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all, and that's all that all means. And if we don't realize that part, and we begin to say that only certain segments of society, like... You can't talk about, you know, you can't talk about this. So that becomes, you know, a problematic thing. And we're not giving a whole gospel because only God is holy. And we all desperately, desperately need him. Mm -hmm. Matthew chapter 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. That's the topic of their discussion today with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. And we're mixing it up today. There's no question about that.
sound say to you, David? It says it's the Monday afternoon. It's, it's David Miles Walker <laughs> music. It is. It it's is. Rosie B. I like that is such a, like a jam and name for a producer. Rosie, <laughs> Rosie B. B. Totally. Bill is. gave me that name. I gave her. I, I, gave I think her that. that's so. You know. What is yours? I, 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 don't I mean, know. like you're just you're cool enough just to be Bill. I mean, no, but I don't like, have any nicknames. None. No. Not the bebopper. No. no, I got nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And I, I, thought I think we could work on that. I, you know, we should call your triple espresso brothers and see if they... Do they have any nicknames? They, no. You know? No. You sure? Are you holding out? <laughs> no, I think I'm not. I'm holding not, back. I'm not holding out. I'm not. <laughs> All right. I'm back in Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? A little comic, uh, comic relief there? That is some comic relief, but it points to a really, really important thing. Jesus uses the imagery of the eye. And as a person whose brother shot him in the eye with a spitball out of a high-powered BB gun between 7th and 8th grade, and I've spent, you know, since 1984, 1996, treating glaucoma from injury, um, your eye has some of the most sensitive tissue in the entire body. And so, you know, Jesus uses this picture of the eye. And actually going back to... Um, Matthew chapter six twenty two. earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, and so this, this picture of the eye, Jesus has used this image of the eye before. So there's this sensitivity to it. So one, if you had a speck, in someone's eye and having had some great eye doctors and eye surgeons, the amount of care that they go with to taking something out of one person's eye is amazing. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, you know, we should have that same care. But Jesus starts off with a little humor first by saying, you know, you got this little speck, your neighbor's got a speck in his eyes and you have a two by four from Home Depot, Menard's, or Lowell's, see, we're all inclusive. We don't want to discriminate. And Ace Hardware, for those who shop at <laughs> But, but it's, the humor of it is you see somebody there standing there trying to pick this little thing out of their eye, and at the same time they're smacking the person silly with the two-by-four sticking out of their own eye. And Jesus is just like, that is so incredibly silly. He actually uses the word hypocritical. But, Yeah. Don't you think, like, when I hear, when I read this passage, too, I wear contacts, and I think it's the same for everybody. You get an eyelash in your eye, mm. a little piece of sand, a little piece of dust, and you can't do anything except, like, get that out right now. Yeah. And so I think he's also talking about our own sensitivity. Like, it should disturb us when we are walking in a sin nature. Let me retract just a little bit. We should be so familiar with the character of our God. That when we are deviating from who he is, it, it should like bother us to the point where we're just, we can't wait to get that little piece of dust or whatever's in our eye mm -hmm. out because it should cause us so much pain. And yeah. so the fact that it can be a two by four tells me, you know, our eyes are not on the Lord. Yeah. And a great point on that, Rosie, because really um, the purpose of this type of self-judgment, like judging ourselves, is to prepare us to serve other people. So when he says, 
You know, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take that out when there's a log in your eye? You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So our own judgment, you know, really helps us to be prepared to serve other people. I think, Bill, there's a place in uh, Galatians um, chapter 6 that speaks to this, and it's Paul, get there, Um, when he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him, listen, in a spirit of gentleness. Like, is that mm-hmm. what happens when you text somebody or when you respond on Facebook or something? I mean, is it really is what's flowing out of us? Is that gentleness? Even with members of the, the body of Christ. And then he says this, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But it's this idea of really... Um, taking care to see mm-hmm. like, okay, God, what's actually going on in my heart? And I think this is a helpful part. <laughs> when we begin to do that, we realize before a holy and awesome God, none of us are staying free mm-hmm. and that we all need his forgiveness. And then by entering in and receiving God's transformative work in our life, then we're able to turn to someone else instead of turning at him with pride and hubris. We're just another forgiven person. Mm-hmm. who in love has received God's forgiveness, and we're wanting that person to walk in it as well. And this is what I love about Scripture is it's always speaking to itself and reinforcing itself. Mm-hmm. So in Psalm 51, it says, Create me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So deal with me first. Yeah. And then I'm going to come back there's and help little, others. There's a little secret here that we actually passed over, like a little important thing. When when Jesus says, don't judge, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This whole idea really of like sowing and reaping. Like if you're judging people like, and you're a judgmental person, it's like literally like... Um, don't necessarily be surprised that that's what you're receiving in turn, you know? And he's saying, you know, don't judge. Later in Galatians 6, it says, God is not mock when a man sows that he will reap. And so if you're in the habit of judging people and you're confused on why people are judging you back, this word is speaking to you. And like, turn that over to the Lord and begin to inspect your life and come before God and say, God, search me, search me out and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It also seems uh, that we live in in a time where there are um, more people seeking to avoid responsibility for personal actions and they don't want accountability either. Yep. So I've got a way of bringing a conversation to a grinding halt, don't I? No. I was actually looking at the clock going, wow, that's really good. How are we going to start that? Well, I know. I looked at the clock, too, and I thought we're out of time, which is unfortunate. But Well, maybe we should pick that up. I think it's uh, worthy to continue because it is a big topic, yeah. Yeah, because there's this degree of, um, 
you know, there's very much, you can't control other people, but you can no. control you and your choices. And, and so, and then there's some dynamics that we, we find ourselves in. I mean, being in India, I realize being uh, an American, um, there's some dynamics. Even walking down the street, said to Matthew, we were talking, I said, Matthew, there's a certain kind of confidence because as a citizen, if something happened to me, I pretty much knew my embassy. My dad was 21 years and eight months in the Air Force, but know that there's this this thing. So there's these dynamics of choice and there's these things where we're in certain places. And wherever you're at today, while you're driving, if you don't know Jesus, please accept his free gift of eternal life and of a personal relationship. Mm. Thank you, David. That is... Uh the Monday afternoon mix for you today. We're going to take a break. Hour two is coming up. Rob Morgan's going to join me. He's one of my all-time favorite guests, and he's written a book called The 50 Final Events in World History, The Bible's Last Words on Earth's Final Days. That's all ahead. I can hardly wait. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.